0: Welcome to Episode 2, Part 1 of Emergency Medicine Operations Management, a production of the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. AAEM is a nonprofit professional association of over 7,500 emergency physicians committed to board certification and democratic group practice. In this month's episode, Mark Graven, an author, consultant, and entrepreneur in the field of lean healthcare, interviews Dr. Joseph Gorisco, Chair of the AAEM Operations Management Committee and Emergency Department Chair at Ochsner Hospital in New Orleans. In part one, they will discuss reasons for emergency department difficulties with throughput and patient flow and outline the critical drivers for improving the ED. In part two of this series, they will discuss solutions to address this difficult area of management.
1: Well, Joe, it's great talking to you again and having a chance to interview you here on the podcast. We're going to start off if you can tell us about the Operations Management Committee and what the focus is and and what some of the main activities are.
2: Well, thanks, Mark. AEM has been very active, obviously, for a long time in in improving the, the practice of emergency medicine throughout the nation. And the Operations Management Committee is something I'm new to. I'm into my second year as Chairman of the Operations Management Committee for the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. And so we've been trying to engage more interest and more activity in this area. So for the last year and a half, we've done a number of things. It started with strengthening the committee. We developed a workshop that we presented in Las Vegas last year on workflow in the emergency department. And since then, we've we've been active in publishing in Common Sense, the journal for AEM and uh, have additionally been involved in in these podcasts. Uh, We're looking to the future, to a new workshop in New York in February for the 2014 uh, Scientific Assembly for AEM. So we're doing a number of things, all related to improving operations management in emergency medicine. And We're trying a number of different venues, uh, again, podcasts, workshops, presentations, articles. kind of think it's an important area to focus on, and, and it's critical to to make the EDs work better.
1: And you know, one of the pressing issues that you know, people are struggling with or working on improving in emergency medicine is throughput and, and patient flow, and we're going to get into some more of those details. This is the first of a series of podcasts on throughput, so let's talk first about creating an agenda for change, or you know, some people call it uh, you know, a burning platform or a case for change.
2: From, from your experience, Joe, why is this important? Well, I think if you look at some of the data, most recently some of the work that's published by Health Leaders Media, uh, the number one most thorniest issue for most hospital administrators is the ED. And if you ask what's specifically about the emergency department, it's patient flow. So it's probably the sort of the most difficult area of management for most hospitals. And in fact, I think that's why most hospitals outsource their EDs because it's just a difficult area to manage. And so it's an important issue, again, so difficult that a lot of hospitals would rather not deal with the ED. And it's it centers around operations and patient flow. So it's an important contemporary issue. The second thing, there, there are so many things that are, are related to patient flow. We know that risk management goes up significantly in the emergency departments that have poor patient flow. In fact, it's four times greater in EDs that have wait times over 60 minutes. We know that patient satisfaction precipitously declines when wait times extend. We know that from recent articles that were published in the Annals of Emergency Medicine that morbidity and mortality increase as wait times increase. Patient satisfaction, again, as I mentioned, is important and is impacted by wait times. And as hospitals become more competitive, this patient experience, this patient satisfaction component is becoming a competitive advantage or a competitive disadvantage depending on how you look at it. And the final thing is as we move to pay for performance, there are a number of payers, including Medicare that is going to pay hospitals partly on their ability to manage patients and their throughput. So if you look at the burning platform, as, as Cotter would say, there's five or six or seven critical drivers for for fixing the ED and improving throughput from the operations management perspective.
1: Yeah, and you're right that, you know, these issues are also interconnected, you know, flow, outcomes and quality, patient satisfaction, you know, reimbursement and financial issues. But, you know, the ED is also part of a very interconnected flow or, or broader flow, all the way from 911 and EMS, all the way through inpatient admission and discharge, and, and one affects the other If you look at a conceptual model for an ED, inputs and outputs and throughput, I mean, how how do you describe that conceptually?
2: Well, you know, I have a short version of that. It's meant to be somewhat funny, but it, it's I, I say patient arrives, stuff happens, patient leaves. <laughs> you know, that's a simplistic way. And, and, and for a lot of people, the ED is so complex, that's as close as they want to get to the subject. But it's, it, it, you and I know, uh, and for your work in lean and, and, and operations, that it's, it's more complex. And I like to break out operations in the ED into three components, and, and that is input, throughput, and output. And it's because I think the tools that we need to use to address ED operations are are best suited along those three breakdowns in workflow. That's the view I look at it. And the middle part, the throughput part, is obviously the, the factory. But so much of the success in the ED depends on how you manage the input side, how you manage arrival and demand. On the output side, you know, we know that if hospitals much better at managing their throughput that we have less of a problem. So the middle part only becomes a problem because we fail to manage the input and the output. Of course, there's a lot of work to be done in the throughput part too in terms of being efficient in managing patients. But I think my view, if I conceptually break down ED operations, that allows me to work within that framework of input, throughput, and output. And we look at the throughput
1: piece. I mean, I I guess I'm chuckling a little bit. It's a serious problem. You you say patient arrives, stuff happens, patient leaves. In between, there's a lot of waiting. It's really more like, you know, arrive, wait, stuff happens, wait, wait some more, (laughs) patient leaves. I mean, that's a big part of the challenge of, yeah, how do we reduce that waiting time? It's not a matter of doing the stuff faster, but eliminating those delays, right?
2: Right. So, you know, what's interesting is I was reading ED Physics, which is looking at uh, ED operations as in a factory model. And, you know, when when manufacturing produces goods, I was shocked to become acquainted with the fact that looking at a a product from beginning to end in its manufacturing cycle, only about three or four or five percent of the entire time is actually spent making the product. The rest of it is shipping and transport and waiting and orders and I said, well, it's got to be better in healthcare. But actually, when I look at what we do in the emergency department, I mean, let's say we have, uh, you know, a hundred minute, 120 minute cycle time from a patient arriving to the time they leave for a simple medical problem. And when I think of the amount of time that they spend with the clinician, I bet sometimes it's three or four or five minutes. The rest of the time mm-hmm. is spent. You know, getting the patient from the waiting room, getting them undressed, ordering tests, waiting for the blood draw, waiting for the lab results, waiting for this, and so actually, in the healthcare model, I'm not sure it's much different than the manufacturing model. I think the value-added time in in the cycle in the ED is probably around the same thing, about three, four, five, maybe at most 10% of the entire patient's visit is really spent adding value to that visit. The rest of it's gaps and waiting and so forth. So. Yeah. I think it's pretty similar, but we're probably not too much different than other manufacturing models in terms of throughput.
1: Yeah, well, and it's not just the emergency department either. I mean, if you look at – if somebody you know who's listening has, has been waiting for lab results, and I'm, I'm sure they have, if you look at the total flow of why does it take 90 minutes to get a lab result back, it's not that there's 90 minutes of testing. It might actually be four minutes of testing on a chemistry analyzer, and so then those percentages end up being – Unfortunately, pretty similar to what you're talking about, but that's, you know, I think the opportunity for operations improvement and, and lean and, and other practices to, to take out that sort of delay and, and give better service to the emergency department and, and to the doctors and to
2: the patients. Right, right. So, so yeah, I think removing all those intervals where there's non-value added work occurring is key, And but obviously it does take time, you know, branching off a little bit here. I mean, it does take time for lab results results. To happen. I mean, they, mm-hmm. unless you do a point-of-care testing at the bedside, you do have to draw the blood and get it upstairs, and you, they do have to run it. But I think yeah. part of, of the operations improvement in the ED is if, if we are going to have patients waiting, we ought to add some value to that. So I try to look at it as reducing cycle times as much as possible, but if patients are waiting, we ought to figure out a way, like Disney, where if, if patients are waiting, then it's not necessarily – a waste, and and so some of the things we've been doing, and we'll get into it in a little more detail as we talk about input. But you know, we don't have patients wait inside a room two hours for a blood test to come back, and so we we tend to move patients out to environments that are back to the waiting room or to internal waiting rooms where they can read and be with family, watch TV, and you know, if patients are going to wait, we tend to try to make the, at least the patient experience somewhat better. So yeah, it's about reducing all those intervals and get the cycle time in the ED down to a minimum, but also about improving the experience. And so the model of care is designed to do kind of both of those things.
1: Mm-hmm.
2: So if we look at issues
1: of flow and throughput and looking at you know ED crowding, looking back, why do you think, Joe, that in general, emergency departments, hospital systems have failed to solve that crowding problem?
2: Well, you know, I want to get into that. I want to go back and touch on a couple of things I left off earlier in in terms Mm -hmm. of the Bernie platform. I want to really nail down on the, as I get into that answer, I think it's important Two other things and to look specifically at a cost issue. And I think it's the answer to your question is partly hospitals fail to realize and really understand the lost opportunity of doing something in the ED. I just don't think they fully understood the cost of doing nothing. And so one more thing about it, you know, if if you have a three-hour length of stay in the emergency department and you're seeing 50,000 visits a year, if you can shrink that uh, length of stay in the emergency department by maybe 60 minutes, you can probably add five or 7,000 more visits. And, and not only is it five or 7,000 more visits, but it's probably $8 million. And so we look at that and we look at the cost of patients who leave without being seen in a any volume of 50,000, 1% left out being seen is worth about a half a million dollars. And so I don't know if hospitals truly spend the time to understand the financial impact of doing nothing. So part of the difficulty and part of the lack of progress from hospitals in addressing this problem is they've really failed to understand You know what we have talked about a few minutes ago is, is the Bernie platform and really failed to understand – the cost of doing nothing. If you think about patients who leave, most people think that patients who leave are are uninsured, that they have low risk problems. But when you really look at the data, the payer mix for patients who leave is almost equal to the payer mix of those who stay. And so it's a failure to realize the economic impact of of doing nothing is one thing. And the second thing is the failure to understand the basics of, I guess, workflow and queuing theory and, and why... Why lines form and, and why patients wait. It's a science. And I think hospitals just fail to spend the time and invest in individuals and groups that sort of understand the science of throughput. And then hospitals fail to understand the economic importance of doing nothing. So, you know, we fail on a, a number of levels mm-hmm. in hospitals. And I think the problem just goes unaddressed.
1: Yeah, so you, you touched on some really, I, I think, important points there. Around why is that crowding problem still with us? Why has it been such a longstanding problem? But you know, hard to see lost opportunity, lack of understanding about queuing theory and other throughput improvement models. And are there any other reasons you can think of before we delve more into things like queuing theory and, and demand management, more, more detailed topics? Are there any other kind of high level reasons why this problem's been so intractable?
2: Yeah, another big reason is the economic environment. It's not good, and it's probably getting worse for hospitals. And so when you look at hospitals that have very thin margins, and most hospitals these days are probably operating under 1% margins. And so I think hospitals look at that dire situation where reimbursement is going down, margins are thin, and they look at emergency departments and trying to figure out how how to do it Better and faster is daunting. I think the the first thing that the hospitals think about when they try to fix the ED is the cost of fixing it. What's it gonna cost to meet prescribed service metrics? What's it gonna cost to meet time to provider? And if you don't understand that there maybe is a model of care that might be a, a way around that, most administrators jump immediately to the conclusion that we've priced ourselves out of solving the problem. Mm. And because they're used to the traditional model of delivering care in the ED, and, and that's every patient comes in, they go through the standard process of registration and triage, they see a, a very valuable but b- very expensive provider like the emergency physician, and to try to figure out how to meet variance and demand means adding more expensive resources, and as an administrator, if you're looking at thin margins, the first response is, I'm not going to do that, I'm not going to go to that cost structure, and so... Unless you can figure out a different model, the answer in this environment is just can 't afford to do it. so I hope you know as we move on we 'll talk about different models that might be a solution, but I think it 's just economically and financially a challenge for administration to solve this demand problem so looking at demand
1: since you bring up demand and some an important part of queuing theory is understanding you know the terminology we would use in industrial engineering of things like you know arrival rates and looking at the math behind this why is it so important to look at demand of when patients are arriving looking at that variation in demand why is that such an important
2: starting point yeah mark so it's obviously what we're going to talk about next is so connected to the conversation we just had as to why hospitals don't solve it you know if you go out and ask anyone who's working in healthcare just tell me about the emergency department, that the response you're going to get is, oh, you know, it's so crazy down there. You just never know what's going to come in. You (laughs) never know when that bus crash is going to come in. And and so if you think that it's totally unpredictable and that the demand is not manageable, is unknown and not solvable, then that's where immediately administration, hospital administrators will give up on trying to solve it. But you and I both know that looking at, at enough data that actually emergency department visits are fairly predictable within probability ranges. So if you do a rival curve, for any ED in the country, they're almost identical. And, and when I show that to people, say, listen, this is hospital A, hospital B. These are two hospitals in different states. And they look at the demand curve. They're almost identical except for you know the, the magnitude of the curve. But in terms of the shape of the curve, the demand curve, they're identical, and when you present that to people, people are usually pretty surprised at that. And then if you look at different days of the week, we also see predictable patterns in how patients decide and when they decide to access the emergency department. So we know the demand is actually fairly predictable, and we'll get into variance in a second, but along the lines of predictability, if you look at acuity, Actually, the acuity curves are fairly similar in various emergency departments around the country. That doesn't change too much. And we also have predictability. We we sort of know how long they will wait before they leave. They leave at actually about 1% for every 20 minutes. And we actually know which payers will leave, and actually which disease processes will tend to leave before they get seen. So when you look at it as a demand model, it's actually a fairly predictable demand picture. And again, the failure to understand that you can actually predict demand and then allocate resources cost effectively is a disconnect. It's a connection for me, but the failure to do that is what makes the problem so difficult to solve. So I think understanding within probabilities, uh, demand curve for emergency care, very predictable. So I always go through this exercise. I, I tell those who are involved in healthcare, we know when patients are coming. We know how many are coming. We know how sick they will be. We know how long they will wait. We know what their pair class is. We know we know so much, actually, about our customers that why is it so difficult to solve this problem? And, mm-hmm. and, and so the answer is that that's sort of new knowledge. For a long time, no one really had that understanding and data. So what's helping us get to the solution in operations in the ED is the fact that we're beginning to understand that the work we do and our demand, our customer requirements and our uh, service requirements are actually pretty well known. Yeah, it's amazing. I mean, when you when you actually look
1: at the data and and see how consistent it is, how predictable it is, and and you've shown data, or I'm sure seen data that shows the pattern, even if the absolute number is different at a higher volume ED, that that pattern is still very
2: recognizable throughout the day, throughout the week. Correct. Right. That's correct. And so, you know, I always look in, and I know in your work too, is in industrial engineering is, and you've written extensively about it too, is that other service delivery models, whether it's the AT&T helpline or whether it's, you know, Starbucks or Best Buy, I mean, most other industries have figured out their customer demand and because they live or die on the ability to make service happen for their customers. And so healthcare is only getting to that point of looking at patients and the service required, looking at it similar to other industries. And so if we can map our demand using the same tools and same data sets that other industries use to, to deliver great customer service in the United States, we should be able to solve it along those same lines and, and no different than other industries do it.
1: Well, and it's so much more, I think, arguably more important in healthcare when you look at the impact of waiting time, of not having the right staffing and capacity in place to, to take care of patient needs when they arrive. You know, We, we know the impact of, of delays can be a life or death situation. May, last question before we wrap up for this episode. When you talk about not just knowing the demand of patient arrivals and, and variants, what resources do we need to manage to help address that demand and
2: variance? Well, I think, again, we went over the sort of the factory model of emergency medicine input, throughput, and output. And we do a lot of complex things. What we do in the ED is disease processes. I know it's not not the same as selling cheeseburgers at, at the local fast food. It's, it is more complex. And instead of tender varieties of cheeseburgers, we have, you know, disease processes that have a lot more variants. And that's the challenge. But still, when you get down to what resources are needed to sort of manage that effectively, it's understandable and it's not overly complex. Uh, when patients arrive... There's some upfront needs that we know. We have registration and quick look triage resources that have to be applied. But the big resources that every ED in the country struggle with is the nurse, the provider as physician or mid level, and the room. It's three major resources. There's a whole bunch of other sub resources, sort of, which is you know the lab and imaging. But the three big ones that stump individuals who work in the EDs and managers and administrators and directors who who manage EDs, is how to resource those three big components. It's the physician provider, the nurse provider, and the room. Those are the three that tend to be in short supply, under-resourced or inappropriately resourced. And if we can manage those and make those happen, a lot of the sub-process, like waiting for a lab or waiting for an x-ray, become less critical in terms of being a bottleneck. And just an example, if you have a patient who's not in a room and maybe is in the, in the waiting room waiting for a test result, the lab turnaround time becomes much less of an issue if the room is not being occupied and being constrained by that lab result. So a lot of things become less of an issue if we can manage those three big resources of nurse, room, and, and provider.
1: Well, Joe, I think we've covered a lot here in this first podcast, the first two parts, Maybe if you want to summarize kind of the the key points of of what we've covered so far and maybe give a bit of a preview of uh, what's to come in part two.
2: Right. Thanks, Mark. So I think the way I frame this topic, I call them critical failures in operations management. What I want to do, and hopefully we achieve that, is setting up the burning platform for change and why all of us, including those who manage emergency departments and hospital administrators, need to solve this problem, why it's critically important. And I think setting that up is beginning to understand that what we do is from a manufacturing model is not different than other industries and solving and understanding our patients as customers and customer demand is sort of the second component of that. And then the third thing is understanding the resources, the basic building blocks of, of the ED, the resources that are required to address are the sort of the key critical understandings that are a part and I think we've addressed. And I think as we go into part two of this podcast, part two of this series, I want to get into the specifics of those three resources, how we're going to manage those three resources, and how do we manage it cost-effectively to deliver care faster and better and, of course, at lower cost. And So as we move into the second podcast in in this series, we'll get into the solutions that are out there for us to execute on that will deliver, I think, a, a much better operationally sophisticated emergency department. All right. Well, Joe, thanks
1: again for sharing your expertise and some thoughts about, I think, some of the really critical issues that people are facing in emergency departments. Um, Thanks for talking about that today.
2: Sure. Thanks, Mark. And I look forward to uh, our next conversation.
0: We hope you've enjoyed this podcast from the American Academy of Emergency Medicine. For more information about AAEM and to access part two of this series, please visit our website, www.aaem.org. While you're there, be sure to check out the AAEM blog, part of AAEM Connect, where you can leave comments and engage in a conversation around the issues discussed in this podcast. Join us again next month as the AAEM Operations Management Committee will discuss more issues of relevance to emergency physicians.